0: Welcome again, thanks for joining us here this morning. Uh, welcome to the Vine on Easter morning. How exciting is it to celebrate resurrection? We're glad you chose to do it with us this morning. You know, uh, it's not just Easter today. Uh, do you guys know the other holiday we're celebrating today? Yeah, April, April Fools! April Fools. It's not too often that those dates fall on the same day. Uh, it's a little bit awkward, but... Um, not sure I love it that much, but, um, we're embracing it. We'll talk about the surprise of the resurrection. So have you ever, um, either pulled a great prank, um, on Easter or on not on Easter. See, I'm getting them confused <laughs> on April fool's day or, or someone's pulled a, a great prank on you. Uh, I don't, I don't either pull pranks or receive pranks. Well, uh, I either feel really guilty for having made someone else feel weird or I feel just like angry or embarrassed, you know, that someone pulled a prank on me. So I don't we often don't engage do in this. We don't Fool's No, jokes. we don't. We really don't. But as a kid, I remember, um, we uh, my parents managed apartment complexes for a little while when I was a kid and uh, that was really cool because we had a pool in the backyard that we could swim in every morning before school while mom cleaned it, uh, but it was really not cool because um, it was managing an apartment complex, right? Everything else that goes with it. So we grew up uh, a number of years living in an apartment complex, and um, and one April Fool's, uh, there was this big pasture with horses and things like that right behind uh, the pool that was behind our apartment there. And one year, mom came rushing into the room on April Fool's Day, uh, to yelling to my father, the horse, it got over the fence. It's in the pool. And dad jumps out of bed just in a panic. And what's hilarious is as the story played out, he thought there was a dead horse floating in the pool the whole time. But you know, on those, on those pranks, on those April Fool's jokes, um, that, that moment of horror, you know, as quite often, it's certainly in that story, in that case, that moment of just terror, that moment of fear, right, on those days. Now, we all know about fear. Uh, we've all experienced fear in our life. Uh, but fear in the world around us, uh, let's be honest, fear is one of the most destructive forces in the world. Throughout human history, it has been uh, the cause of of wars and hatred and all sorts of terrible things driven by fear, right? Uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Because fear quite often produces terrible results in our lives and the world around us.
1: Well, I knew some fear this week. This week, my husband and I decided, Mike and I decided to uh, go skiing and I did not grow up going skiing. I learned to ski as an adult. And so I could probably count on one hand the number of times I've tried to ski. And uh, I, I remember thinking, gosh, we get a day off the week before Easter. That's cool for number one. I was excited about that. So in the car driving, I'm, I'm excited to go skiing. But I also have this like anxiousness nervousness growing inside of me as we get closer to Bluewood. And we get to Bluewood. We get all set up. We're going up the ski lift. And at that point, I'm like really nervous. And um, I, I start talking to Micah. So our first run here, let's be sure we do a green. And if you've ever been skiing before, you know the green runs are the easy runs. So it's a more narrow slope, I mean more gradual slope. But they're also a little more narrow at at Bluewood and I said Mike I want to do the absolute easiest because I'm already super nervous and and he looks at me and he says well you know I think I think you'd do better on the blues which would be like the next level up the the mediums and that was my reaction to I was like Mm-mm, we are not
0: Phil doesn't believe me we are it's not good doing advice. the blues really and is. he
1: said but but the blues are wider and you know how to turn, and so you're able to turn more. The little narrow greens are going to be really, really more challenging for you. And I put my foot down, and I said, no, we're doing a green. And so we take off, and all is good. I hadn't fallen until half, about halfway down. And sure enough, we get to this, this little corner where it's a really narrow section, and it's like a 70-degree turn. Like, it's a really sharp turn, and I look at it, and my body just freezes, and skis. I don't know exactly what happened, but I found myself just hugging the, the snow, and right in front of this massive tree, and I'm headed in the wrong direction, so I'm headed for the tree, and I need to turn, and uh, we, we we sat there, you know, really relaxed for about 10 minutes, I'd say. Yeah, and here's
0: the thing. The tree wasn't moving.
1: (laughs) It was massive.
0: This tree was absolutely stationary right there.
1: I was pretty sure the tree was going to attack me. Um, But for about 10 minutes, fear really paralyzed me. And I I was just scared, and I was not very happy about being there. But finally, I got myself up, and I got moving, and I headed straight for that tree and crashed into it. Thankfully, I was going about the speed of a baby caterpillar, oh. and so I didn't hurt myself. But once I hit the tree, I was able to turn myself around and go, go down. So the second run, we finally made it down. In the second run, Micah's asking me, so what are we going to do the second time around? And I'm like, well, I'll compromise. We'll do a combo run, and we'll do a green slash blue. So it has bits, bits of the blue in it. And uh and I remember when I got to that hill, that first hill, what I call the drop off. You know, it sounds a little extreme, but yeah. it it is. It is. You get you 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 can see down the mountain until you just see a hill and then you don't see anything else. That's the blue section. Like you can't see down it until you start going down it. <laughs> <laughs> and That's I good. knew in my mind this was going to be easier. But again, fear, I was just scared, guys. I was scared. But I did it. I did it, and I didn't die, so I'm, I'm still here. So I know in myself that I learned this week that I am courageously conquering many fears, but I have a long ways to go when it comes to skiing.
0: So what is it that you fear in life? Like We all have major fears. Often it's of sicknesses. It's Mm -hmm. of uh, harm coming to our children. Uh, It's of pain or it's of death, right? Uh, Many of us have those big fears in life. And here's the thing. Last week, uh, we looked at Jesus and the road to the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. We we looked in the Passion Week at at the the things that Jesus experienced over that last week of his life and before the crucifixion. And here's the crazy thing. Um, All of, like, the major pinnacle fears— that, that plague most of humanity, Jesus experienced in that last week of life, right? He, he experienced the abandonment of all of his followers, right? He was left alone. He was beaten, and he was mocked, and he was hung on a cross, and he died, and last week, we left uh, the story hanging uh, with Jesus on the cross. Uh, we saw hope in the cross, right? Many, many, many answers are found in the cross. Uh, but we left it hanging, that, that, that cliffhanger, asking Jesus having borne all of, I mean, so many of the major fears that humanity faces. Where does the story go from here? You see, Jesus lived a life marked by teaching and healing and compassion, but at the end of his life, the greatest fears of humanity were borne out in his story. And for any human, uh, for, for, for any anyone else, the story would have ended there. Mm-hmm. But good news, and thank you for joining us today, because the story did not end there, and today either we celebrate either. resurrection.
1: Mm-hmm. So let's read. Part of the story in Luke chapter 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them.
0: What had happened?
1: What an amazing story! We see here women doing, uh, performing the ordinary burial rituals of the day. They were they weren't able to prepare the body on Good Friday because the Sabbath was coming, and so they waited until Sunday. And so when they went in their in their grief and their sadness, they encountered something extraordinary. They saw this giant stone had been rolled away, and they went inside, and the body was gone. And then when they came out, these two men appeared in their clothes like lightning. I can imagine their their emotions. You know, they're, they're going to the grave sad and weeping, and then they're distraught because the door is, I mean, the, the stone has been rolled away. It's open, and then they're bewildered. The, the body has gone. And then the fear sets in when these two men appear, and and clearly they're supernatural. Their clothes are gleaming like lightning, and what they say to them is even more amazing. They say, he is not here. He is risen.
0: I don't know if you've, uh, most of us in this room have probably experienced the death of a loved one, someone Mm -hmm. near to us. Um, I've performed quite a number of funerals over the last 15 years in, in this occupation, and and there's this finality in death, right? There, there's, this, there's this grieving of something that will never be experienced again. And, and that's exactly what the apostles are feeling in this moment, right? The finality, feeling the loss and, and, and feeling the sorrow that comes with that. But on this day, something remarkable takes place.
1: It gives us a glimpse into the power of God. The power of God to raise Jesus from the dead. The power of God through death, over death. The power of God over, over suffering. And it, and it gives us a glimpse of the future as well. This idea of resurrection. That, that death is, doesn't have to be the final thing in our life. It's a pretty amazing glimpse of this power that for many of us, and for sure for the disciples thought, was really outside of the realm of possibility. Certainly outside of the human realm of possibility. But it is possible because it's divine power.
0: So death does Mm -hmm. not have the final, does not cast a final blow like so often it feels like um we're going to read more on on this resurrection part but first i got to point out my favorite two things in this text Uh, did you hear that part the women come and tell all the apostles hey guess what happened and the men don't believe the women because it sounded like nonsense if you're married you know what this is talking about right
1: can I just say you sounded like a whole bunch of nonsense when we went to when went skiing? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Jim's got
0: it. I was just joking. That was an April Fool's Day joke. You never speak nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, you thought I was serious there. No, uh, so so this hilarious moment. But, I mean, you, you get the awkward tension, right? In in that moment, they come, and the guys are like, yeah, whatever. You know, they just don't even believe what's happening in this moment. They're not equipped to grasp the vastness of, of this moment. But Peter... I want you to notice Peter in the story. Peter's the first to always take action amongst the apostles. And in this moment when they're like, oh, that sounds like nonsense, this doesn't make any sense. Peter, in all of his fear, and all of his suffering, and all of his sorrow over all that's taken place over the last few days, Peter, still lost and confused, he gets to his feet and he takes off running. Do you see him begin to pursue even in the middle of his doubt and his fear and his hurt? He begins to run towards the tomb and he finds himself there, wondering what in the world could have happened. Let's let's read.
1: Jesus appeared to his disciples many times. This is one of those times in John chapter twenty-one. "'Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples "'by the Sea of Galilee. "'It happened this way. "'Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, "'Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, "'the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. "'I'm going out to fish,' Simon Peter told them. "'And they said, "'We'll go with you.' "'So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. "'Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore.' But the disciples did not recognize or realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, "'Friends, have you any fish?' "'No,' they answered. He said, "'Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some.' When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the, disciples, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, "'It is the Lord.' So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore, and it was full of large fish, 153, and even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish.
0: Can you imagine, have you ever have you ever tried to put yourself in the shoes of Jesus' apostles for three years to have walked with him, to have seen the miracles, to have performed them yourself as you followed him and learned the ways of this remarkable rabbi? To come to this conclusion, I believe he is the Messiah, the Son of God, and then to see him hang on a cross. And the fear has transferred from Jesus' last days on earth now onto his apostles, the fear and the doubt and the questions that they all face. And I think it's interesting. Again, Peter's always the first to act, and what does he do? He goes back to what he knows. Peter was a fisherman when Jesus called him. Peter goes back out on the boat. And does what he knows in, in this in this season of lostness, of confusion, of fear. Jesus had called them on a remarkable mission, but they've taken a, 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 they've stepped away in this moment, born of their fear and confusion and doubt. But Jesus comes, and, and they don't recognize him immediately.
1: I love how in this story we see a blending of the natural and the supernatural together. Um we see we see Jesus on the on the beach calling out to them, Hey friends, have you caught any fish? He asks them about fish. It's just a natural, normal question of someone you know, who encounters a fisherman. He says, Have you have you um caught any fish? And they and they say no. And so he says, Throw your net out on the right side of the boat. Um and I wonder at that moment if they were thinking about when he first called them. Because when he he first called his disciples, they were fishing on the same boats. And he said, and they had just come in. And they'd fished all night and caught nothing. And he had used their, their boats. He stood on their boats to preach a little bit. And then he said, hey, why don't you push back out and go cast out the net? And they told him, hey, we just came in all night. We'd been fishing. And he says, just do it. And they did. And they, again, caught So much fish that they couldn't even haul it all in. And so we see here this picture of Jesus, one being very natural, saying, hey, friends, how's the fishing? And then on the other hand, telling them, hey, do this, and you will see the power of God. And sure enough, you see them haul in. Just tons and tons of fish.
0: Very natural in that he's there in human flesh, very yeah. unnatural in that he has risen from, from the, the dead, dead right? And, and so the story has begun to come around full circle. Like when Jesus first called these apostles and they said, okay, we will follow you. They were fishing in a boat. And you see that story almost repeat again here as, as he calls them out of their despair, out of their fear and says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men again, right? He he begins to, to, to give them new life in this mission he had called them to years ago in that moment of fear, and his fear paralyzed them like it often paralyzes us. Jesus speaks into that moment. He says, I have a mission for you. I have a plan for you, right? I love you. Share a meal with me and join me again. Yes,
1: and and it it's so interesting. You said share a meal with me. That's so interesting that Jesus um, has breakfast for them on the beach. I find that super significant because when you look at the life of Jesus and his ministry, food and community were so important. It's like food is the the uni- a universal way for people to connect and to converse. It's over. Over food, over a meal, and Jesus is saying, "Hey friends, come eat. Come, come, be in community with me." So you see this powerful Jesus—you know, fish. He's he's bringing in fish. He's raising from the dead. I mean, stuff that a human couldn't do. So you see, you have this picture of the powerful Jesus, and then you have this picture of a very gentle and approachable Jesus too, saying, "Hey, just come eat." Let's, let's just do breakfast together.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. And in that moment, again, it's Peter to act, right? Mm-hmm. In that moment in life when we, when we see Jesus, when we catch a glimpse mm-hmm. of Jesus for the first time, m- many of us remember what that moment was like, that excitement and that passion. And, and Peter in this story, in that moment, will everyone else around him, does the reasonable thing and starts rowing in the boat and making sure they got all the fish to shore and all these things, Peter, he dives into the water and he swims as quickly as he can to be at the feet of his Lord, his Messiah, his Savior, right? And, And we all find ourselves in a similar place, maybe today, maybe in the past, maybe again tomorrow, I don't know. But where we catch that glimpse of Jesus and it's like, What do we do about it? Do we keep on rowing? Do we keep on fishing? Like, we we could do anything we want with it. Do we turn the other way and look towards more interesting things like our Twitter feed or whatever it is, right? I mean, like, we could do anything. But in that moment when we catch that glimpse of Jesus, in that moment when we see him for who he is, I love the example of Peter. Maybe it's time we dive in. So in the midst of all their fear and all their confusion, they witness Jesus. They witness Jesus who had borne the the major fears of humanity on his shoulders days before, but they witness him risen. They witness new hope and new life. And I wonder in our lives, as we face fear that quite often like theirs is just crippling, it paralyzes us that we can't move forward. If if there's a similar opportunity in our life, that in Jesus there is hope beyond the fear. Fear can be defined in, in two different ways. Um, uh, I, I saw this, this last week, forget everything and run or face everything and rise. And I like that. It kind of speaks to um, like that uh, fight or flight response that's kind of ingrained in us, but it goes beyond that. It, Quite often we run from challenges and fear and problems in life. But today we celebrate resurrection. Like there's another option than just fighting. Like there's an option to rise above Mm -hmm. in life Mm -hmm. because Jesus rose from the dead. I heard this song this week, um, or a couple weeks ago. I heard it for the first time. It's by a guy named Zach Wilson. And it says, Fear is a Lie.
1: One of the things I love... um, about that song is just because it's so direct. Our fears get in our head and just cloud our judgment and cloud how we see things and it's just so direct. Fear is a liar. I'd like to add to that and say fear is a thief because fear robs us of the opportunities presented to us. It robs us of the possibilities because it, it paralyzes us, and, and we don't take advantage of that. And, and Jesus came, and he conquered fear. He conquered fear. And the disciples experienced fear, but G- the character of Jesus, the person of Jesus, helped them rise above that fear. In the story we read, Jesus was approachable and he was gentle. He called out to them, friends, come to me. He, at the same time, which is really interesting that this, they're mixed. At the same time, he is powerful to raise from the dead and he is powerful control over our natural world. And Jesus invites them into community through a meal. And today we have the same invitation from Jesus. We celebrate resurrection because he is still alive and he is still calling out with the same invitation that he called out to his disciples and he's calling to us. And he is still that same person who is approachable and gentle, calling us friends and he is still powerful. He is still God, and he has the power to transform us and our lives in amazing ways. And he invites us into relationship with him and into community with him. One of the things that I love about about the Vine Church, um, you know, we've already talked several times about this idea of belonging and our year of belonging. We want that to be central to who we are because that was central to jesus he valued people and we want to value people and we want to invest in our relationship with him and invest in our relationship with others
0: jesus has risen he has conquered Mm -hmm. fear and death and that's what we celebrate today so today we're going to take communion um, as we close out our service what a beautiful thing to celebrate Hope and forgiveness. Jesus has risen from the dead. Hey, a couple things. If you're visiting with us, we'd love to get to know you better and provide some opportunities to grow together in the future. Um, so next week, Sarah and I will be hosting at our home, Vine 101. This is uh, just a way of introducing people to who we are as a church. Uh, no commitment level there, but if you would like to come and learn more about who we are as a people, who we are as a church, how we came to be, and and just the vision and things that are driving us into the future, uh, we'd love for you to join us. Uh, next Sunday, we'll meet here at 10 a.m. Uh, after we get cleaned up and turn this back into a school, uh, then we'll be headed over to a lunch uh, will be provided, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. Also beginning next week is a, a new series of lessons. It's uh, we're, we're entitled it Real Life. Living to the fullest. And what we want to talk about is like how does being a follower of Jesus affect my marriage? How does it affect the way I live my life on a day-to-day basis? Right? And and so we want to take just a a really practical look at, at what does life look like with Jesus and how does it affect our lives, our communities in this world in beautiful ways. Hey, thanks again for joining us this morning. Feel free to stick around, have some conversation.